right. We're about to start it up. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Episode 339. <laughs> Fighting through exhaustion. Yeah. Let's <laughs> ramp it up. <laughs> Recording on a Thursday because we needed an extra day off after Crazy Pod Fest. Yes. And it wasn't even fully off. We were still working on of stuff. Of course. <laughs> I... I uh, my name's Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. Welcome to the Comedy Film Nerds podcast, post-LA Podfest episode. Uh-huh. Maybe you're just tuning in for the very first time. We're going to talk about movies today and have our guest, and we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. Uh, we're going to be uh, talking about Magnificent Seven, Kickboxer Vengeance, Star Trek Three, the prequel Strike Back, and uh, talk about maybe a couple of uh, trailers as well. Oh, yeah. Um we should introduce our guest because he was at Potfest. We, we should, should indeed. We and should. all the way from across the ocean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you got to figure out which ocean. Yes. <laughs> which <laughs> direction. <laughs> which is it? Um, he was in the podcast with his uh, podcast. Ste- he was in the podcast. <laughs> if you guys want cohesive thoughts, this is not the episode no. to tune into. Yeah, or um, coherent ones. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Steel Saunders from Steel Wars. Hey, you guys. Uh, just Let's just create a bit of theater of the mind for the, uh, the listener at home. I am opposite two of the most tired-looking, <laughs> poorly-postured people I have ever come across. You are wilted plants. Yes. You need watering. <laughs> the show business needs to water you so you can... With cash. Yeah. <laughs> money. With a livable wage. <laughs> That's all I want is a livable wage. Yes. I'm not like <laughs> complaining. It's not like I'm making decent money. I'm like, I want to be a millionaire. I just want to, I'd like my lights to not get turned off. Right. There's that, you know, there's yeah. the, uh, you know, there's the first world um, comforts of electricity and plumbing. Sure. On a consistent basis. I'd like to have that on a semi-consistent <laughs> level. Um, I so. have to apologize because I did walk in, I did get here about two minutes late. So I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that was bullshit. And it but, was like the whole <laughs> schedule, but... Well, now Graham's waking up. You hit, <laughs> yeah, you hit a sore point. Timing. The um, I, I think I'm the only... Maybe. I'm not sure. Maybe this happens all the time. I, I got here about 15 minutes early. And so I was, I was listening to the last episode. Oh. And so I feel like I might be the only person that's ever come late because I was listening to the actual podcast. <laughs> <laughs> It might be it, yes. I was just sitting in the car, and then I looked at the time, and I was like, oh, shit, I've got to be on this. Well, <laughs> I've got to do this. Well, if you're going to be late, that's a good excuse. That's a great excuse. Yeah. But I'm so glad that um, I've got a really good excuse not to see that new Blair Witch, that it's not that good. Yeah. Because yes. my current excuse was, I'm a pussy. Because <laughs> I, I just, when they announced, you know, they did the surprise screening at yes. Comic-Con. Yes, I it just When we changed the title. Yeah, it just mm-hmm. knowing there was another one of those films out there just filled mm-hmm. me with dread. Like right. just because that first one, I'm not, you know, I, I like Star Wars and, and Ewoks. Ewoks is my favorite thing in the world. So I, when I go into a forest, I just want to hear chanting and you know merriment just, and yeah, using I, the using the the trees as a weapon against the imperial. Yeah, I don't want to see the trees used to make like scary. Witches and goblins and stuff like that. Well, and uh, since you've already experienced Blair Witch again, so that means you don't have to see the new one. Yes, there's no difference. All right, yeah. I'm going to. I'm not seeing it out of artistic integrity. You now. know, I'm curious to see if um, if someone who's never heard of Blair Witch, never seen the first one, and went to see this movie, what they would have thought if they thought it was scary or interesting. 
um, because it's the same movie. <laughs> so I'm, right. I'm curious, just with some special, better special effects in a drone camera. So, um, but first of all, we want to thank everyone for coming out to the Los Angeles Podcast Festival. It was another uh, great weekend, and it was just so much fun. But uh, we also want to make sure you guys know that uh, it's not over yet. We've got, what, 27 days now mm-hmm. to still buy the pay-per-view? And I'll tell you, the Comedy Film Nerds live show, I think it was one of the best ones we've ever done. It was it was so much fun. It, like, Will Wheaton was hilarious. And then... To see him rail on the new Star Trek movies, granted, I, I baited him. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> um, it wasn't like, we weren't going to have him on the show and not talk about Star right, Trek. Right, exactly. Like, that was for sure. But then, like, Cecil Baldwin... Was hilarious. Was hilarious. And, yeah. you know, we know him from Night Vale. We interviewed him for earbuds, but we don't mm-hmm. know him that well. Right. And I don't, you know, we were assuming he was going to be a good guest. He was great. Yeah. He was hilarious. And I just, I I wish we could do more of those live shows because watching the trailers and then having funny guests on, it was just like. It was so much fun. It's a blast. It was awesome. It was so, <laughs> it, was, it was very funny. And. Yeah, he and, and yeah, Will was hilarious, and I did. I've got a bone to pick mm-hmm. with Mister Mancini because he he's doing a bit of sizzle on Facebook the other yes. day, mm-hmm. and he's you know you got to you know use coupon code, watch the stream, and it's really mm-hmm. funny. We rail on horrible film trailers, and I'm like, hey man. You showed the Rogue One trailer at the end. I'm taking offense to that. <laughs> well, that if you listen to or watch the show, you'll see how much we all. I, yes. I I'm, ex- I'm excited. We all were excited. And what I, I really because the the Im- the image on the Facebook was of like Will making a disgusted face at one of the trailers. Sure. So I actually um um that's what caused we looked at bad trailers, but we looked at some good ones too, and we we discussed. Oh, uh, so. I was ready to spin yeah. the stage. <laughs> I I um hey. Is that your fax machine? Yes, yeah, the fax machine. That's the fax you just sent is calling back. Oh, great! Old technology <laughs> is calling us. <laughs> that is a. Uh... <laughs> it's great when old technology calls us. And- should um, because we're on a podcast, should we explain what a fax machine is? <laughs> yeah. Okay, guys, a fax machine is some, you would someone would page you a fax number. You, need, your- <laughs> you needed a giant machine to do what was called scanning and send that image via phone line. Yes. And some companies still use it for some unknown yes, reason. Yes, mostly banks and financial institutions. Right. Um, which is to weird. prevent you from sharing or making information uh, available easily. Sure. So, now that we're up to speed on faxes... Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, Let's get into Morse code. Yes. <laughs> so, Any semaphores uh, technology you guys want to talk about? So, you guys definitely check out the... Uh, like I said, it's like 27 days left. Use coupon code CFN. You get every show in the festival, including the improv shows that were in the preview shows. It's a great deal, and it does help the festival. It helps us pay for it. So... Um, it's something that it's not really like a bonus. It's critical to the success of the festival. So uh, check it out. It's a great deal. You can watch everything for pretty much 20 bucks with the coupon code. And it's like com- 50 hours of content. Yeah. It also helps your boredom. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's um, Do it for yourself. <laughs> Steel, what were, your, uh, what were your highlights of the festival? This um, is the third time you've done it now? Yeah. Uh, just say, like... It's it's three days of people appreciating you and making you feel like you've made some good life decisions. Right. 
and now I'm back in your garage thinking, wow, I've got to get into fax sales. Those yes. things are picking up. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, it was great. Just quake, you're going to drown in T-shirts. Yeah, it's just, I know, it's just cool to come out from Australia and, and sort of like be amongst like all the podcasts I listen to and, and see like great comedians mm-hmm. that, um, you know, because they're from America, so they're inherently better because um, <laughs> of Australia's cultural cringe, mm-hmm. which I subscribe to. But uh, yeah, it was super fun. On on Steel Wars, we did a, um, a live read. We made a radio play out of some erotic Shmi Skywalker Qui-Gon Jinn erotic <laughs> fiction we found online. <laughs> and, and Chris... Oh yeah! <laughs> Before the show came up and asked me if it was, I was on my laptop on the couch outside the office. Asked if it was appropriate if his daughter came to watch the show, and I said, "Oh, mate, I'm currently downloading a sound effect for a lady urinating, so you do the math." <laughs> yeah, so no, <laughs> and that's one thing. Um, you know, as a parent, always check out your media before you expose it to your children. Right now, granted, you always don't get to ask the creator of the content before. But it's I, I, always a good I, I was idea. I was not the creator of that content. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my fan fiction, so. and it wasn't my urine. Yeah. All right, <laughs> but it's graphic. Like it was right. I was blushing during bits of it. Like I don't know. You don't hear the word shaft in Star Wars enough. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unless it's used with the word ventilation. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Nice, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> nice poll. Yeah. Um, what else? What else would you? I mean. Do you, did you get out of specifically this year's Podfest? Um, I don't know. It, it's just I don't think I got anything new. Like it's just that's a great. Yeah. It's just a warm thing, yeah. and it's just like you can just walk into any show, and it's just like I don't know. It's just such a good scene. Yeah, it, it's you know it's weird. You know, to be back in LA and you see like I was I was just at the Grove, um, and you see advertising for I don't know what's that new animated film the snorks or storks and it, it's just so contrived and jennifer aniston is this right. and it's i don't know it's just at the podfest and i guess podcasting it, it's just such genuine yeah. heartfelt entertainment that that people are essentially doing for free because they love it and then they hope to turn it into something else sure. but but I, I think it's it's the heart of it and the sincerity, and then to have like a festival of that and have people, you know, afterwards, you know, tweet or message you right. that just say, "Oh, thank you for coming," and like I get freaked out because like people are like, "Oh, it's so good," and I'm like, "Oh no, I was I was there freaking out because." Like Todd Glass is here. Yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> and um. You know, I get to see Grams just amazing, hairy chest oh, and yeah. belly. <laughs> just my Burt Reynolds. That's my bandit. How I, many? How many Batman outfits did you have throughout the weekend? I N- had, not include. You know, um, not just including the ones during shows. I had four with me, and I was wearing Batman socks. And I think I had Batman underwear on one day. They all have different names, like the tactical suit. And- <laughs> well, specifically, one is a hockey jersey, one is a basketball jersey, and one is pajamas. A pajama onesie with a cape. <laughs> for when Martha tucks you in. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's like, uh, this year especially, um, 
you know, there was a, it was a lot of, you know, it's always a lot of work. The, the festival's a lot of work, and there's a fair amount of stress that goes in. And having, you know, um, now hear this happen, you know, that's that's no secret. Everyone was like, yeah, man, that, you know, now hear this is 30 days after your festival. And obviously they came in with giant money and snatched up some big shows that we've had in the past. And pulled Earwolf shows from Yeah, and us. pulled Earwolf shows, which is, you know, that's Mark Maron. You know, so last year we had Mark Maron, Paul of Tompkins, <laughs> Doug Benson and Lauren Lapkus all in our festival, and now they're all doing that one. Mm. So, you know, that's that's a reality, and it, it ultimately, uh, an additional festival is is I think is good for podcasting because, um, and we spoke to them. Our business affairs guys talked to them, and they were like, "Oh, hey, we you know we didn't think that through or whatever, whatever, man." Um, ultimately. You know, thirty days after ours, so so that was a that was a challenge we had to deal with. Um, but like I said, ultimately having new festivals is a good thing. You know, there's a million film festivals in, just in America alone, let alone the world. And so I think the more podcast festivals we have in general, uh, especially here in the U.S. and around the world, the more bigger advertisers will get in, which is something we kind of need. We need more money behind it us not, not just podcasting in general but the la podfest for sure needs needs funding because we we can't just kind of you know we got to be able to pay big big shows and stuff like that so so going in there was a fair amount of stress with that um but then getting there and all of the fans you know the opening night party on the pool deck and we're we're handing out drink tickets and everyone's like this is so cool you guys just hang out with us there's not like a paid meet and greet or whatever no <laughs> and you know and we don't it, tear the access <laughs> no man <laughs> um and then just you know the core people that come every year and then also the new people who've like all every year there's like I, this is my first time there was a lot of like you know some some my my brother friend sister is a diehard podcast fan and I don't know much about it. And they dragged me here and, oh man, it was so amazing. I, I mean, I heard that, you know, I'm stopped in the hallway 20 times a day for those conversations and it's great. And I love hearing them. And that to me really helped deal with sort of the struggles of this year and made me go, yeah, we have this great thing. We've built this great community. Um, and, you know, it, it and then also just the reaction to earbuds, you know, we screened that Friday night and it was in the small room, but it was packed. It was standing room only. Yeah. And, there was some people got turned away and people, several people came up and said, man, you know, a couple, a couple people were like, God damn you for making me cry on the first night. Like yeah. the very first thing I saw, I was crying and that was wonderful. And one woman came up to me and she said, just said, you know, there's, there's a lot of, especially here in America, there's a lot of shit going down the whole world. That's, you know, there's, there's a shooting every day and there's a, it's a really awful political <laughs> election happening, Climate. you know, and there's, and there's, there's gun, there's racism, there's ISIS, there's all this crap going down. And she's like, you know, and you guys are doing something cool and positive and that movie is very positive. And it was a whole weekend of just laughing and sort of taking a break from everything that's going on. And, you know, it meant a lot for me personally that we, have created this community and that the, this is the reaction and people come up and they shake your hand and they laugh and they, and they hug you and like all these emotional reactions. It was really, it was really cool. And it just sort of validated for me, like why we're doing this and why, you know, it's important. Um, even though, you know, we're not 
making much money from it right now, but I, I still feel very confident that we will. The, here's the other good thing about about so buy nominees. the pay per view. Yeah, buy the pay per view in the next 27 days yeah. to I help mean, the festival out the fact for sure. That Scripps, company like Scripps, is getting involved in podcasting is a positive thing overall. The fact that you know Podcast One is a giant. You know they're getting ad rates from huge companies like car companies and stuff like that. I think overall those are very positive indicators that podcasting isn't some little nerd fringe that big companies don't want to spend money on. Right. And that to me is what is what um you know. So in the long run it should be all good. Yeah. Um because the more money that comes into an industry the the bigger and better the industry will get as a whole. For sure. So, sure. all right, well, let's, uh, speaking of more money coming into an industry, let's get into some of these movies. Yeah. Like Kickboxer <laughs> Vengeance. Oh, my God. What? A Kickboxer this is what Vengeance. You want to start with? Yes, it is. I can't wait to talk about this movie. Um, I was too exhausted to go to the movie Cineplex after the uh, heat festival. So I uh, said, hey, what's, uh, what's on demand? What's new that's on demand on my cable box? Uh, and I saw Kickboxer colon Vengeance, and I went, oh, my God, is I have something, to check this out. Is that something people are demanding? Yes. Yes. <laughs> on demand, specifically. Exactly on demand. And um, I will say, I went to this movie with incredibly low expectations. Someone bought the Kickstarter license, probably very cheap. Uh, they got Jean-Claude Van Damme to come on board as a grizzled old mentor. Because Great. it's, you know, like, let's like, you know, it's like a Rocky movie. It's, you know, he's, he used to be a fighter. Now he's older. He's going to train the new guy. I'm on board. They got George St. Pierre. That's a UFC fighter. He was an amazing fighter. He might be coming out of retirement. Like there's a whole thing swirling around him in the, in the cage fighting world. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, uh, well, what, what fascinated about this movie is how low my expectations were. And yet they weren't even nearly met. <laughs> It was, it was a terrible film. And again, going into it going, look, you don't have to show me much to make me happy on this movie. I get what this is. It's a lower budget kick, kickboxer. It's not like the first one was amazing or anything. But I should be getting specific things in a low budget action movie. Um, editing that makes sense, A. Um, me not going, wow, I wish the actors were as good as Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> That's when your movie's in trouble. You're like, I wish they were at the acting level of Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, <laughs> so you mean the director who did Blue Crush? The guy who's directed Blue Crush, John Stockwell, who was Cougar uh, from Top Gun? He, uh, Isn't that amazing how he stumbled through this movie? Uh, and he was... Uh, well, oh my God, I, That's, that is the best credit ever yeah. that you are name-checked in a Kenny Loggins song. Yeah. <laughs> I was on the edge. I was Cougar. Yeah. On the edge. Everybody sang about it. Now, Hong Kong director uh, Stephen Fung was set to direct, but left the weekend before shooting. And John Stockwell replaced him the weekend before shooting. Well, now, shooting. wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Hold yes. on. Maybe Stephen Fung had something. A party came up. Yeah, or he something. had tickets to a game. or a, yeah. a, a, a Cold. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah he, not even he had a cold he just got cold he just, he, he was, was a, a little, little chilly yeah on the set and, he changed uh, his mind guys um, horrible traffic yeah <laughs> i can't make the shooting of this film a buddy of mine has tickets yeah. to go see Coldplay. I gotta, you know, I can't say no. And uh, they're in a VIP box. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you don't eat this. You don't say no to this. It's good. Yeah, just get Cougar from Top Gun. He'll take care of it. <laughs> Believe me, Cougar's yeah. available. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 
Cougars wound too tight. He turned in his wings. <laughs> so, um, and then the the bad guy is uh, Batista from um, you know oh, WWE fame. How's and, he and doing course, that? And of course, uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy. And you're looking at him like, wow. I wish he had the uh, depth of. Uh, of what is his character dax the destroyer or yeah. jacks the destroyer i'm like wow that character had far more many levels than than here but what i love about movies like this is they don't feel the need to explain um anything that clearly makes very little sense like um you go to an area to train like you find a master and there's like you know 30 50 guys all training like what's the economics of that you know, you go in, you fight a guy, then you're there, then you're eating dinner and you're training. Like, who pays for all that? Like, is it, all right, well, do you want the meal plan? Do you want the training plan? Like, is it like when you're, oh, you're staying here? You know, is it, is this like a training hotel? Listen, or, uh, I, don't, I don't think you should be questioning the business plan guy that runs a podcast festival. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then there's like, they're starting a fight, then they kill a guy. I'm like, well, wait, wasn't that, why did you, you just brought him into fight and then you just killed that guy. What's, what this, all right, okay, well, if this is the, and what I, what I love too is, uh, even the editing made no sense. Like you have, uh, uh, you have the police raiding the illegal fighting. Okay. So they're raid. Okay. So clearly they're going to stop the fighting. No, they get about two levels in and then they just watch the fighting. Like, well, why are you raiding the place then? What does he, to arrest one guy on the way in and now you're going to watch the rest of the fighting? Yeah. So, um, well, maybe they needed part of the, they're yes. part of the meal plan or yes. something. And they- the entire police department, <laughs> it's hilarious. Like, uh, okay, you're here to enforce the law. You just see a guy get murdered in front of you. Should you maybe arrest somebody or no, maybe you should all cheer. That would be a better, uh, uh, that question, would be a better question. What color was the dude that died? <laughs> um, there were um, multiple colors. Uh, multiple okay. ethnicities. Yes, yes, it was a very diverse um, murder platform that we're, uh, <laughs> that we're uh, well. That's good. Looking at everyone's um, getting murdered. And uh, but you know the new, uh, you know the star of the film was so bland, like as far as acting goes, and even like the martial arts were like, you know, I. I don't know who they hired to do them, but like the fight choreography, you know, I, I can maybe see why uh, uh, Stephen Fung maybe had something else to do the, over the weekend. Uh, but it was uh, everything really felt rushed, half ass, and just like, well, just use the license, get it in the can, um, shoot out John Claude Van Damme in a couple of days, and um, we've got a movie. A day. Yeah, a day. <laughs> he was, he, was a- he was in it for a few, it had to be at least a couple days, but it wasn't that many. Like, what? he was in it a little bit more than I thought it would be in it, but again, not that much. Well, this is, it bumped me out just a little bit just because I like John, uh, George St. Pierre. Uh, Gina Carano is in it. And then TJ Storm, who um, was... Uh, a martial arts instructor of mine who was also the bad guy in the martial arts kid. I play, of course, the Mm -hmm. security guard. I'm sure you all know that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that, uh, That is now available online somewhere. Um, I've never felt more secure. (laughs) (laughs) And and there was, there was no effort to direct any of the actors at all because the lines and stuff were so ridiculous. Like, you know what, just let's first take, let's get it. You know, we've, we've got a couple of days. Let's get everything done. But the other thing is Gina, uh, what's her name? Carano. Gina Carano. She can actually act. Yeah. She can act. And uh, so what do you do? Use her the least and never get to see her fight. Oh, great. That's another so, great so, use so of, yeah. Her yeah. two skills, which yes, are fighting exactly. and acting. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you don't get to use, she doesn't get to use either. But how so. many how many retakes are you going to make George St. Pierre do? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that factored in. Uh, but it was it was one of those movies where in setup it actually made more money, more sense to me than like Skip Trace, where it was like a, a terrible remake of like Rush Hour. Right. But this one could actually have followed like the Rocky model of like, okay, well, John Claude Van Damme, he's a, he's a trainer out in the jungle, and you know, there's a new crop of fighters, and you know, there's so you could have modernized it in an interesting way, even just by following the Rocky model. And every opportunity was squandered to do literally anything and then uh um you have of course the um the police officers who were just out of modeling school and uh who really didn't act like police officers so i'm like oh she's really attractive how long until she's naked okay well 30 minutes that took a little longer (laughs) than i uh than i thought for the uh, for the detective that's trying to crack this case yeah oh she was in a bikini yeah yeah (laughs) you have the right to remain scantily quiet (laughs) so it was all this interrogation (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you, you know again the bar was so low when the bar is that low try to meet it that's all yeah. you have to do. It's all you have to do, and it, so it, it was. It was not worth the price of on demand. Wow! And, and I think everyone involved owes John Claude Van Damme an apology. All right, Kickbox of Vengeance versus the cutscenes in the original Mortal Kombat game. Which would make a better movie? Oh, the cutscenes in the original Mortal Kombat game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the original Mortal Kombat movie was almost watchable. If you uh, if you remember that, that's movie. probably on the movie poster. I'm guessing almost yes. watchable. Yeah, almost watchable. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Kickboxer Vengeance. All you right. might see it on a plane. Speaking of remakes, mm-hmm. Magnificent Seven. Yeah, I, I wanted to see this, but again, had a hard time leaving the house. Yes, or the beach. Be seeing it this weekend, though. Sure. So, well, yeah, Magnificent Seven, which is a remake of Magnificent Seven. Which is a remake of the Seven, Seven Samurai. Samurai. Mm-hmm. So it does have, you know, Akira Kurosawa. So it does have a, uh, you know, being a Star Wars guy, it does have a, a Star Wars influence. Because right. George Lucas was very influenced. Hidden Fortress. Yeah. And and by The Magnificent Seven to um, to make this film. And it's got uh, Denzel Washington. It's got Chris Pratt. Uh, Ethan Hawke, who's... What is Ethan Hawke normally looking like these days? Because in this film, like I know he's done up to look all westerny, but no, he looks like that all the time. Really? Because yeah. I like my at my at my best best moments he just walks around Brentwood looking. Yes. Like- <laughs> <laughs> at my best moments, I, I occasionally get. Oh, you look a bit like Ethan Hawke, mm-hmm. and then I leaned over in the film. Well, Ethan Hawke was looking, you know, particularly ragged, and I said, "I reckon it's a compliment to him these days." <laughs> I reckon I've outpaced Hawke. Of out hawked hawk. Out hawked hawk. If he could ride a horse through Brentwood, he would. I think he really likes the Western look. He's been kind of using it for a while now, regardless of the film. I hope so. <laughs> um, I like. I, I think it's a great film. Mm-hmm. I. I think In what way? It's just fun. Like mm-hmm. it didn't annoy me. Like, like kickboxer vengeance. Yeah, I, I, I'm not seeking vengeance against the film. Yeah, um, I'm not. I'm not living out the title of the film. Um, I would. I would. Yes, they are magnificent. There were seven of them. So uh, yeah, I'm happy with the title. The <laughs> title of the Yeah, it, it wasn't uh, false advertising. Right. No, no, no. It was like the paltry six, and you're like, oh. yeah, I'm not a big Western person. It wasn't like the hateful eight. <laughs> 
<laughs> not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Um, <laughs> the number was wrong. Yeah. No, no sinister six. We're so tired, guys. We just kind of won't shut up and let the guy speak. <laughs> I know. It's miserable. <laughs> it's really awful. For the guest. <laughs> poor guy. Um, I've, uh, like, I loved it. I love the... Like passion love or hot love? <laughs> no. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> all right. I'll shut up. <laughs> the... Um, I, I felt like maybe, like, so the, the basic story is is town in danger, like evil um, Western developer in the old West is wants to take over the town and have the mine and he's, like, the most evil person ever. And, and cancel all the dancing in the town. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was actually encouraging dancing with that whole shooting at people's feet right. thing. <laughs> Well, no, it's true, though. Akira was actually influenced by Footloose. <laughs> <laughs> he had to cut, cut yes. Footloose. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Um, and, and so the, the townsfolk have to go find someone to... The, 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 the evil guy says, I'm taking over this town. I'll be back in three weeks. Um, I will give you $20. Yeah, yeah. You know, per thing. And that sets up the film. And so um, one of the ladies from the town whose who's, who's, uh, husband is lost goes out to try to recruit someone to save them. And that person, of course, is Denzel Washington. And then Denzel Washington uh, sets out to find a posse. Now, the posse's great, but I just felt like there was – the assembling of the posse just seemed a bit too easy. Everyone was right up for the posse. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they weren't even saying, like if I said, you know, if someone was saying, hey, we're making a posse, you're like, oh, yeah, I love posses. But they didn't do that. They didn't use the word posse enough because I feel like that would get people on board. It's good branding. <laughs> <laughs> who, was, who doesn't want to join a posse? I'd love to be in a posse. That'd be great. Um, someone knocked on this door right now, I'd join a posse. <laughs> yeah. You'd be with friends, hanging out, common purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, I think we've formed a little podcast possibly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I just thought it was super close to getting to where I want it to be, which I just love horrible conditions. Um, no, I don't want to do it. No, I don't want to do it. And in the end, we come through and you know, the hero's journey is complete. Do you know what I mean? Like I equate films to like professional wrestling where the, you know, the guys, Hulk Hogan's getting beaten up and all is lost. And then the macho man finally decides he snaps and he has to be, you know, he can't see this going anymore. And I just thought the character development was just a little bit washed over. Like Chris Pratt is... I think his character gets away with it because he's so lovable. Right. Like people now kind of want Chris Pratt to play the Chris Pratt character. I In do. every movie. Yeah. yeah. And he's sort of like the, you know, the lovable rogue who's a bit cheeky yeah. with a heart of gold, you know, in the end, even though he's had a hard upbringing. He's, and I just thought that it was, it was so close, but- it just didn't get me I, – I didn't give me that adrenaline rush when, you know, things came to a head. But I did 
Jackie liked it more than I, but I liked it. Jackie like liked it. I would sort of like, I felt like my life could go on without it. <laughs> good, good. Um, Jackie's clinging to it. That's it for her. <laughs> um, I, I, a weird thing just in the going to the movie experience, I went to the Grove and is it normal for people to get popcorn like on a sort of flatbed sort of dish and then put jalapenos on top of it? No. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I saw a dude next to me do this at the little confectionery stand. Like there's a bit where you can self-serve all your sauces and there's jalapenos and he's just like... Put him on his nachos? No, put him on his popcorn. I'd do that. All right. Maybe it's a new thing. It's a Grove thing. Oh, my God. Oh, no, there's just one weirdo. That has- <laughs> Have you ever done that? Is that a common thing? I wasn't sure if it was That's like- not a common thing. No, no, no. It's no. Not. no oh, okay. No. That's not like, oh, God, in America or at the Grove, they eat their popcorn weird. No, I've never seen yeah. that before in my life. It sounds good, and I'm going to start doing it. It's but- not UK mayonnaise on French fries. Okay. Because that said, I did Which think about that for <laughs> most of the film. Mm-hmm. I was just like, is that guy- <laughs> Is he eating them separate? Is he having like a jalapeno with a bit of popcorn? Mm. Like, I don't know. I've seen many, uh, Paul Goebel, who's been on this show, would take uh, peanut M&Ms and mix them in his popcorn and butter it. And it tastes fantastic. (laughs) Oh, and that makes more sense to me. I feel like we should, if we, is that one of your friends that you've lost young? (laughs) (laughs) I think we've just formed a popcorn posse. <laughs> ah. But it was, it was it was a great film that it, it seemed very, like the set design and stuff, like I did feel like I was in the ye olde, like, it, like it's hard because you don't, like you've got a movie view of what an old Western right. Right. should be. Yes. And, and even seeing a Western kind of like in colour, it, it, it seems like, oh, Oh, yeah, they had colours back then. Right. Amazing. So I, I thought like all the set design and all that stuff was great. And it was very Star Wars-esque in that like Tatooine and stuff had made, you know, borrowed from the Old West. Right. So I, you know, I knew the material that had sourced off that type of film. Right. And so that's my point of reference. So I'm like, oh, this is... This is kind of like the cantina. <laughs> George Lucas has to sue an entire genre of film right here. But um, yeah, Denzel's great. You you got to love Denzel. Yeah. I think as- it's a great looking cast. I mean, that's the, the even my- when Denzel's in a bad movie, you go, "Well, the movie was d- dude t- stuck." But you know, any of them, still pretty the good. Equalizer, any of yeah. those like movies that aren't great, he's great in them. Yeah, yeah. he just holds himself so mm-hmm. I don't know such authority, and he just. Denzel's all over the screen and you just want to lick it. <laughs> With jalapenos. <Yeah. laughs> well, the thing that's kind of cool about it is it's uh, it's one of the few Western movies where the actor's ethnicity actually ma- matches the characters and Hollywood has a pretty bad... Uh, like Blazing Saddles. Yeah. <laughs> has a pretty bad uh, track record when they made, you know, Westerns in like the 40s and 50s and 60s. They'd have like Italians playing Indians and stuff like that. And so... Um, that's actually kind of a little big Leonard deal. Nimoy played an Indian yeah, on TV. It was I hilarious mean, when on that documentary. It's 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 a it's a cool thing that that Anton Fuqua did. So uh, I I you know the trailers look good. My hesitation has always been just with Anton Fuqua. Some of his movies are pretty uneven, but 
Uh, yeah, uh, let me ask you this question. Was the first half of the movie better than the second half? Maybe. <laughs> like, the, like there's a, obviously a big battle at the end. Re- what, really? Yeah. Spoiler alert. And <laughs> it, there's a lot of battle. Do you know what I mean? And mm. I, I, I just, I, I felt like once I got into the battle, maybe the, like the character, I don't know, development? Like there wasn't enough character moments sort of thing. Like there is a little bit of a, like our heroes can hit everything. Oh, right. Like. They never miss. Yeah. Um, which in sometimes it, it's quite enjoyable. Like, do you know what I mean? You love to see your hero go into a situation and just own it. Like have an answer for everything sort right. of thing. Um, but yeah, I sort of thought maybe towards the end, it uh, they sort of dropped that off, and it was interesting that I, I sort of you know sort of read up a bit about the, um, the Magnificent Seven. Just you know, I went on IMDb pretty much, and how the A Team, the the series, the A Team was sort of based on the Magnificent Seven about the you know the sort of rogues coming to help small towns and stuff. That is very loosely based then, <laughs> <laughs> but it does get. Pretty A team at the end. I mean, when you really get down to it, I mean, a bug's life was based on the Seven A-team. Samurai. Yeah, and the A team. Oh, I'm sorry, I had that wrong. Um, all right. Um, so yeah, I, I think um, fun time at the movies. Yeah, I wouldn't okay. like run out to it, mm-hmm. but if you're like up to see a film, that one's gonna that you're gonna have and it's a pretty good time. Worth seeing in terms of like big sweeping shots to see on the big screen versus wait till VOD or something like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm in. Do we get to see Western vistas in large sweeping shots? Oh, you get vistaed up the hi ho. Nice. You'll be well vistaed. <laughs> All right, vistas and battles. Yes, I'm in. But yeah, if you like your if you like your Denzel, if you like your Pratt, I like me Denzel. If, so if you like your um mysterious Asian cowboy that can just kill people in... Oh, the ninja? Oh, it's amazing. He the does, there, there, There's some great moments with him where it's like he... They're inventive in his death strikes. Uh, nice. All right. Um, in addition to not being able to uh, find the energy to leave uh, my home, uh, one of the things that happened was I watched... First of all, I watched For the Love of Spock. Which oh yeah, I love that mm-hmm. documentary, mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool. It was a really cool. It's a nice in- tribute. Too. It's a really nice tribute, and mm-hmm. it is a nice insight into Leonard Nimoy and his relationship with his son, and seeing, you know, I think I think his son Adam, who directed the film, did a good job of taking sort of a lot of archival interview footage of his dad from various times, from like the seventies, the eighties, the nineties, right. and and recently, mm-hmm. um, and then also you know. Obviously, he got the rights from, you know, from Paramount or whatever. So, so he had, said that was a lot where the budget went. I'm sure. It, I'm sure it went. Yeah, getting yeah. rights from Paramount for Star Trek things is uh, not easy or cheap. It's sad face emoticon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but he did it. I mean, and it looked so. Therefore, it looked cool. They got you know great clips. They got great behind the scenes, like. You know what I mean? Like Spock reading the paper on the set and full, you know what I mean? Like they got all that cool stuff. He did a really good job of weaving together. And then the 
the modern, you know, the the recent interviews that I'm sure he shot maybe two years ago or whatever with like George Takai and and then like uh, Zachary Quinto and and uh, Zoe Saldana from the recent ones and and getting their take. Um, it was really cool. And and then watching that made me go, well, I want to watch the Search for Spock. And um, I really the Search for Spock kind of sometimes gets lumped into the oh the odd ones are bad. It's a good movie. It's a fun Star Trek film. It's cool. You get into the, the world of Vulcan mysticism, which I love. And it's also, it has a great, it has a great message in the sense of like, you know, Rottenberry always was very uh, um, skilled at taking issues that we have here on earth mm-hmm. and putting them in the, in this future world. And so what happens to your soul when you die? What happens when you die? He's saying, all right, well, let's say, how about this? You know, he's basically saying that the Vulcan soul needs to go to this special place. It's like many cultures have a thing like that. Like people, oh, they got to be buried in this certain place or scatter the ashes back to the ocean, certain cultures believe, or, you know, all this stuff. And so it was It was just really, it was the cool part of Star Trek of, of like, well, let's take some of these things from religions and cultures here on earth and then let's let's take it further let's see where else it would go and make a whole movie on we have to get bones and and baby spock together to do this vulcan on this special vulcan mountain and then so you know again as we talked about with chris gore the problem with the new star trek movies they're fun but you when you ask someone what are they about all they can tell you is the plot Whereas, what is this about? I go, this if is, that. If, if that. If that. It's just like, oh. Well, a lot we, of stuff flew around and blew each other stuff up. Yeah. And it's like, this Star Trek Three is about what happens when you die. It's, yeah. You know, so you mean like what the message what is. What the message is. Yeah. And so there's just a great message in this. Right. And it's, it's funny. I've heard people say, oh, you shouldn't, you, know, you shouldn't politicize Star Trek. And it's like. Are you fucking kidding it's me? Like, that's all Roddenberry did. That's it's like, it's, it's like, exactly what it was. You've missed the point, angry nerd. Yeah. Yes. You have missed the point. Yeah. Yeah, God. Oh, well, it's, like, so- it's like when people say you shouldn't put politics in your comedy. Oh, okay, we'll go tell Lenny Bruce he was wrong, like and Dick Gregory and. I mean, something like that is like, well, then you've never watched the original series, you, and you didn't is get it? the original series, yeah. or you watched it and just thought it was about Kirk, you know, making out with girls and doing, you know, hip check fighting. Granted, and, large part of it. Large part of it. <laughs> not a bad part. No, <laughs> um, but there was something larger going on. Yeah, so it was cool. It was. It was. I would highly, you know, if you haven't seen for the love of Spock, I you can rent it. I think on iTunes or Amazon, and then. Star Trek three on many of the streaming services. Mm-hmm. I, because I've just been, you know, we saw Wrath of Khan a couple of weeks ago in the big right. screen. I'm just going through all the Star Trek movies. And I'm, if you really want to go through all of Leonard Nimoy's work, then after that, watch uh, Three Men and a Baby. Yep, he directed that. He directed afterwards. that. Yeah, it was really um, cool getting into his directing career. And I was everything. hoping he was going to play Steve Gutenberg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be great. Yeah, so, Steve Gutenberg uh, was a Vulcan. Mm-hmm. I um yeah, I've never heard of this. Leonard Nimoy documentary. It just so, came out. And uh, I don't even think it got a theatrical release. Um, if it did, it was really small. But it's something you can rent or buy on... Um, it's playing festivals. Oh, okay. And uh, also, uh, it was kickstarted. And then I don't know if you can buy it or not yet, but if you can, soon. You, you can buy it as a download yeah. on iTunes oh, then, yeah, and rent it. My, my, my biggest gripe with the Star Trek film series is, I think, is it six? Where they go back to San Francisco to save the whales? That is That was four, four yeah. That's four? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I hate any film that's fantastic 
And then that is like, we're going to modern day Earth. And it's just like like the He-Man film, which is a disaster. But He-Man comes to Earth and it's like, nah, dude. Yeah, yeah. I've been to Earth. Eternia, motherfucker. Yeah, get, get out the front of Greyskull. Yeah, but you hold get- the sword up. Make the cat into a lion and just ride about. Yeah, but you get Frank Langella as Skeletor. <laughs> <laughs> and you get and you get Spock on a bus in yeah. San Francisco giving a punk rocker the the pinch. Oh yeah, it's great. Him up. It's That's great. a great yeah. scene. So it's actually a really good kind of double feature if you watch that, like because uh, it's you know it's on demand. So you said it's on iTunes and mm-hmm. all the other places too. Okay, so uh, definitely check it out. Um, that actually sounds like a really good double feature. It's awesome uh, to watch both of those back to back. Okay. Um, I wanted to talk about these. Uh, oh, actually, no. We want to talk about uh, another movie you saw, Steel, called The Prequel Strike Back. Another documentary. About, uh, I'm going to guess Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a group of fans kickstarted this and have made it over the past couple of years, and it is now available to buy or on demand. And it's called The Prequel Strike Back, a fan's journey. And I, I think maybe for the average film goer maybe that they think it's just a general consensus that the prequels were the worst things ever but in the depths of star wars fandom it is it is a civil war really on facebook groups with people that particularly people that were a lot younger and you know much like i was perfect return of the jedi age so i love ewoks you know they were young and they didn't have the cynicism or the the judgment to look, you know, unfavorably upon the prequel films. They just took it all in. And so the the documentary is a pretty level-headed, even sort of balanced sort of debate between all these different oh, – I don't say debate, but a debate rages throughout the film mm-hmm. with um, people, I think – uh, is it Chris Gore? Is that the film for it guy? Yes. It, yeah, so he's in it. And um, there's a very interesting guy um, that has this thing called the ring theory, which is a major crux of a lot of prequel fans' uh, love of the films or a defense in that the, the, the prequels sort of mirror the original trilogy in this weird reverse cycle in this sort of um, – uh, circular storytelling where it's sort of they sort of like episode four matches like episode three and it sort of goes out and a lot of those similarities are quite obvious do you know what I mean like you know the end of the Phantom Menace with the um the ground battle the space battle and the lightsaber battle is very similar to the end of Return of the Jedi you know, with the same thing. It's the same thing, the primitive force against the evil empire, lightsaber battle, space battle. Then a lot of the things are a little bit, let's put on the tinfoil hat to get. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, you know, there's a lot of similar shots and stuff. And Which I, we sell in the comedy film nerd yes. store, guys, get a CFN tinfoil hat. And I guess the end debate is. Signed. <laughs> you know, a lot of those guys say, you know, it's it's the poetry, you know, George Lucas wrote this, you know, made this sort of cinematic poem. And if he did, great, well done. But I went to the cinema to see a Star Wars film, not a poetry jam, do you know what I mean? So it is, uh, you can, I hired it on YouTube for like $3 for th- three days or something. And so if, 
you're pretty into Star Wars. Like, you know, you you love The Force Awakens and it is like, it, I think it goes for about an hour and 20 minutes. Um, it features, you know, a lot of very learned Star Wars experts. It's put together in a really fun way. Um, Kevin Smith pops up into it uh, now and then. It's it's well worth it. Like for $3, like- What have you got to what lose? What have you got to lose? Yeah, $3 right and there. supporting an independent film. It's, uh, yeah. According to IMDb, their budget was twenty one grand, So they could use your three bucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that, we just had the guys on, on Steel Wars and had a bit of a, I don't know, it's almost like a DVD extra episode where I sort of hit them up about a few different issues and we sort of- you know, chat about it, but in it, it is it is quite strange that in Star Wars fandom, online fandom, it is a heated debate, yeah. and and people that love the prequels, and I'm I'm happy, I like them, but I squint through them. There's, there's bits like I, I there's fan edits that I will watch. They're they're my prequels sort of thing. They get rid of mm-hmm. like a lot of the gushy things, but it is fascinating for me the way people relate to them as it's a metaphor to the way people relate to like politics and that it's just, this is my opinion. I've got one eye closed, no matter what evidence is put before me. Like that's my opinion. I'm not changing. I'll change my excuses or reasons to have that opinion. That's the only thing that sort of new evidence will give me. And I, I found that in interviewing people about star Wars and stuff that it's such a, Right. Essentially pointless. It's just a movie. Do you know what I mean? Right. But people have this such a concrete feeded look at it and it definitely resonates through all parts of society. The first time I, I sort of even remotely opened up the possibility that the prequels weren't, you know, treason were uh Last year, when we were in Australia and we did, you know, the 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 Steel Wars CFN spoiler up in the bar at three in the morning, and you had the guy from I think the head of the Star Wars um, fan club in Australia, and he made he made a point that I went, you know, he said, you know, he was sort of defending them, and at first I was doing that thing you're talking about. I'm like, nah, I don't want to hear it. Mm. You know, I've joked about those episodes numerous times on this show, and he said, you know. You know, we got to watch a Star Wars movie and they, you know, they weren't great, but they had cool moments and we all got to, you know, dress up and wait in line for a midnight screening and the fun of that. And Mm. I was like, when he said that, I was like, you know what? Because we had just come from a midnight screening that was a blast. And, you know, I was like, "Eh, that's not a bad point. I don't think I could ever go back and watch them because I watched them all once and I barely remember them. And I'm just like. Yeah, but I I will say it, it is their catchphrase is unlearn the prequels. Right. Oh, okay. And it will do that. I, I, I think if you're like a Star Wars fan, you don't really like the prequels, you'll probably like them more or appreciate them more, parts of them after seeing the documentary. Okay. Now, you know what's interesting? You also think about like if the prequels weren't the way they were, like very polarizing, a lot of people hated them, even like, you know, new people going back have enjoyed them and say younger people have enjoyed them, like the purpose of this documentary. Um, would Star Wars Force Awakens look the way it did because of the prequels or would it look differently? Let's say the three prequels were amazing. Like, would Star Wars Force Awakens look that way? Because I feel like Star Wars Force Awakens had to do things specifically differently than the prequels to get the fans back on board. Okay, well, this is very interesting and I totally agree it wouldn't look the same. But in J.J.'s 
promotion of the film, you know, it was all like, um, you know, real sets, practical effects. Mm-hmm. And I'm not like, I was shocked when this happened. There was a massive negative reaction to that in for the prequel fans because they saw that as a slight against the films they loved. Like, they were reading between the lines as, like, you're dissing our films by saying that. Like, you're giving an underhanded, like, comment that – and in a way, he was. He was yeah. reassuring people it's like – That's exactly what he was doing. Yeah, he's like, we're getting back to basics. Right. We're, we're going to use – What works. Yeah, because, you what know – What made the first three – what made you love the first three? Yeah, because I, I think it's inarguable, but people will, that George Lucas was – corrupted by the technology like george lucas is the filmmaker's darth vader do you know what i mean he's more machine than man yeah and, and colonel kurtz yeah the, he went up the river and he went nuts he was up in his his, <laughs> in his you know his digital kurtz his digital kurtz and his montanaired army up the river in northern california in some surrounded bunker. by code yeah surrounded by robot you know a robot army and uh he made those and, oh, and I, that's fact, what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> to me, the definition of how he's corrupted was that he constantly bragged on the promote, like the commentary of the Attack of the Clones, how there was not a clone trooper suit on set. Right. And to, in my eyes, they look like cartoons. Like I feel like I'm right. watching the Star Wars cartoon during those bits. And I don't know. You'd think you've got to have these white suited army. Like if only there was another way, like <laughs> you did it. 1976, you vac formed 20 suits and you just kept filming them. So it looked like there was heaps and it was right. dope. Right. And, and, and I think when you're putting in an effect for the sake of an effect, then you've been corrupted by the technology. Right. And I've interviewed, you know, people that, were like the R2-D2 handlers on the two Australian prequels, Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. And they'd have R2 there ready to go, you know, remote control R2, classic R2. And George B was like, ah, we'll just put in a CGI. Don't worry about, he's just there. Do you know what I mean? But he just wanted to do it CGI for the sake of it. And because it was just, it just felt like he just wanted to get off the set as soon as possible <laughs> and start, you know, that's like he likes the post-production yeah. type of filmmaking. So it's- uh, should be an it, editor. <laughs> but yeah, so Prequel Strike Back, uh, I think it's prequelstrikeback.com. I know they're on Twitter as Unlearn the Prequels. And yeah, if this discussion is relatively interesting to you, three bucks. That actually down. makes me want to see it. Yeah, mm. I want to see I'm it. I'm curious. Um, okay, so we'll talk about um, trailers. Do you want to maybe just do? Did you see these? You want to do one? We'll do fist fight. Let's do fist fight. Fist fight. Um, fist fight was an interesting trailer. I watched it thinking this is going to be stupid, and I, I it made me laugh. And basically, what it is is you remember the movie Three O'clock High? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's that with teachers. Oh, uh, I saw this. Yeah. And it really made me laugh, especially because you have uh, such great casting of Charlie Day against Ice Cube. So you feel how terrified he really is. Um, there's a great scene in the uh, trailer where he calls 911 and they're like, uh, well, you know, you got to go tell a teacher. Well, I, I am a teacher. And he goes, well, then you're a grown man. Go there and take your beating. <laughs> So um, I am uh, I'm curious to see this movie. I think it could be really funny. I think it looks cast well. It looks um, 
like you know they don't go for the lazy obvious jokes it looks like it's actually decently written um so yeah i, I want to see it looks good to me i mm-hmm. think it's a i think it's a funny premise and um you know i think these guys are are you know it's a decent thing and it's a the release date worries me a little bit isn't it like february or january yeah, or something? but i don't know yeah. i mean it's 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 I don't know Richie Keene, who's done a lot of TV, um, which isn't he's done, he's directed episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right. and uh, he's done a lot of TV. Oh, how did he which, get Charlie Day to be in it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is sort of like I, I think sometimes it's like uh oh, can he make the transition? But I, to me, in a comedy, sometimes a TV director is really good for yes. that to, mm-hmm. to do because you're just you know shooting it's not green lantern and act, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. well shooting and acting i mean you know and and editing and directing actors for comedy is a, is a very specific yes. set of mm-hmm. of uh of skills i would critique the name of the film cuz the premise you know that two teachers are going to fight after school I don't know, Fist Fight, it doesn't... Yeah, right. Like, I, this didn't tell me anything. The title didn't tell me anything what this movie Three was Three O'Clock be. High does. Tells yes. you exactly what it is. Right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a play on the old Western. Yep. With, and you're saying it's obviously school, so I know exactly what it is. Yeah, this should be like Teacher Fight or I don't know. Yeah, Teacher Fight or something yeah. just... Teacher, yeah. Like, I don't know, like Faculty Throwdown. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> something, yeah. something, something. But, but right. Fist Fight does sound like a Kickboxer Vengeance prequel. Yeah. <laughs> Faculty fist, you know. There's plenty of ways. <laughs> exactly, you can go. faculty fist. So, um, you know, uh, fistle tea. Yeah, no, that's not right. <laughs> or just Fight. call it, boy. That guy from NWA sure has changed. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so we'll the cube see. has melted. <laughs> uh, okay, now DVD Blu-ray. There's actually a um, a lot of stuff coming out. Um. Central Intelligence. This is the Rock Kevin Hart movie. It's yeah. a lot of movies I kind of missed when they came out because there was. We'll wasn't... probably miss them again. Yeah, yeah. Um, the next one is The Shallows. This one I was kind of lukewarm on seeing. I heard both things where it's it is what it is, and then I heard no, it's it's pretty good. It's like is this a... Blake Lively and Shark, shark fight. versus Shark? Yeah, this is a this is Shark fight. Yeah, this is Shark fight. Yeah, fin fight. Fin fight. Yeah. <laughs> Now, um, the next couple titles make Shark a little fight, more sense. The fight for the fin. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what it is. Warcraft. Two breast, one fin. Yes. <laughs> you know what that is. You know what Warcraft is going to be. It's based on the uh, uh, on the video game, and it's an example of one of these movies that didn't do that great in the box office, and it didn't matter. It crushed right. overseas. Yep. And it destroyed in China. Yes, yeah. like, just destroyed. Like, I think it was like over 100 mil, and Force right. Awakens was like 30 or yeah. something RTS, like that. RTS, real-time strategy games, are huge, like in Asia and uh, a lot of those countries where they have like literally like 24-hour gaming campaigns mm-hmm. where people are there all the time. Um, Mike and Dave need wedding dates. I also missed this one. This is I, th- I feel like I was like, I'm going to see this on a plane. Right. And maybe it'll be okay. Now, this next movie, I was sorry I missed. I really want to see. This is Hunt for the Wilder People. This is um, Sam Neill uh, and a a boy, I think he's royalty, where they kind of get, lo- uh, they escape into the woods and then people are chasing him. But it looks like a really fun, um, funny, kind of like, like a, adventure type movie mm-hmm. uh but what i love is sam neil is just so charming no matter what age he is no matter how much he ages or how young he ever was every time he's on the screen you just like 
I want to hear what he has to say. He's he's amazingly engaging. Like everyone from Jurassic Park to now this one, he's like this grizzled little guy. Man, leave me alone. And you realize, nah, you don't want it. You're going to be part of this. He does he, does he do any endorsements? Because he's someone that like I would go. Yeah, yeah, I would buy that car if Sam Neill told me to buy it. <laughs> um, yeah, it's also the director. Um, the director is uh, his name is uh, Taika Watiti. I'm sure I didn't pronounce that correctly, but uh, he directed um, he directed uh, What We Do in the Shadows. And, oh, the vampire comedy movie. Yeah, and mm-hmm. Boy, and um, so it's a you know. It's like a masturbation uh, directional video. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the other movie is Neon Demon. Now, Neil loved this movie, but uh, I was very skeptical. And and we, after seeing the trailer, was like, oh, well, this, I have no desire to see this. And then it was like, everything you described is is not what this movie is. And then I looked at them like, no, that's exactly what this movie is. Ah. <laughs> so um, check it out if you like weird, artsy um, movies by the guy who did Drive. So, <laughs> what a niche market! Yes, that is <laughs> indeed. I don't. Um, so, in the spite site spotlight, uh, we have uh, Neil's weekly film news, CJ's reviews of Snowden, and I am not a serial killer. And we've gotten some great uh, feedback on Facebook and Twitter uh, over the festival and the festival. The festival show. feedback has been great. I mean, yeah, like the the just I love then the running joke. So, like, there's a photo. You know that someone took of me when I I took my shirt off at Todd Glass's show, and they're like, "Oh, is that Johnny Sofitel?" <laughs> That's a joke I made when I was on. Like, like please, watch, if you haven't watched these shows, there's a there's just great jokes or like, um, you know, the hashtag. If you've seen, if you haven't watched any of the shows from the festival and you've seen the hashtag, make Gotham great again. <laughs> that was when I was playing a drunk old racist uh. Batman and Will Anderson said that I, I did that on Tofop. That was so much fun. And we didn't even work on, I didn't come up with that. I just went on stage in a Batman shirt <laughs> and that had the sleeves, you know, no sleeves. It was a basketball Jersey. And Will goes, Oh, it looks like Batman's let himself go. And then, so then I just started going from there and he's like, you're like a Clint Eastwood Batman. And then I started saying all these Trump slogans and, <laughs> It was awesome. There's all sorts of moments like that throughout the 50-plus hours of uh, programming. T.J. Miller wearing a weird uh, uh, Dr. Doom mask (laughs) or something. Here's the other thing. T.J. Miller just shows up. He's periscoping from there, Mm -hmm. and then he's hanging out with the fans. He's drinking after the show. It was just like... It's my favorite thing. And Pat Francis shows up as uh, his favorite member of KISS. Full face paint. Full makeup. Full makeup. Platform shoes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was trying to work out what was happening. I saw the photo and <laughs> I was sort of looking through the schedule. Where's like, the, where's the kiss pod? Like, right. right. <laughs> it was great. So, um, um, some really uh, great storytelling too. Uh, the Welcome to Night Vale show was really good, and if you you know, it's a great entry point with them because it's a concise story and they tailored it to the festival where they're talking about killer librarians who are maybe loose under your seat at a podcast festival and uh, there was a lot of knowing references yes <laughs> they yeah they, they were they knew the crowd yeah they also, they, the crowd. they also did a thing you know there was a lot of there was a message of inclusion you know because of who those guys are and also um who their fan base is of like hey you're you know their fan base and those guys are kind of and, and a lot of podcast fans are sort of 
nerdy outsider, you right. know, mm-hmm. strange. And they're like, it's okay to be a weirdo. It's okay to be <laughs> a murdering librarian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I just, I just dig. I just dig that that was their message and, of, of inclusion. And Will Wheaton came out as this crazed chef with all these horrifying recipes for stuff. And uh, um, Criminal had a really good show. They told this amazing um, story about identity theft. They did three cool stories. One of them was about stealing petrified wood from the forest and like how there's this whole um, legend that grew over it where people thought it was cursed when they brought it home. Then they would start mailing it back with notes. I've had nothing but bad luck since I took this from the forest. And uh, Where do you mail it back to? Forest. The, uh, it was, uh, oh, I can't remember. It was, it was like, it was a national forest. So the, the forest rangers would go around to try to stop people from stealing the wood. And they said this mythology grew up around it to, to the point where they just kind of started posting the letters to help to tell people to like, stop taking the wood. Hey, look, you're going to get cursed if you take the wood. <laughs> so it's, it, was a, it was a national forest. And um, then they did this great one on uh, identity theft that was had like this really chilling uh, reveal at the end. So you can check that out too. But what I liked about the show that Criminal did um, was that normally when you just listen to the podcast, you don't get all the visuals. They did an entire slideshow for every story. Oh, wow. So you could see everything they were talking about, including pictures of the people that they were talking about. So you definitely want to check out the, uh, the, the pay-per-view. He did a whole thing. There was some shark attacks in the 1916. I was off in New Jersey. And, oh, my God, reading the news, what how people dealt with sharks. And it was just like some woman who was like an Olympic swimmer, like, sharks basically are cowards. And <laughs> <laughs> Don't be afraid if oh. one hungrily swims up to you. <laughs> like their plan, we're going to dynamite the ocean and blow them all up. It's just like, it was, I sat in for some of that and it was, it was hysterical because they had, because obviously Gareth Reynolds is the co-host, but then they had Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Jean from My Favorite yes. Murder, mm-hmm. which was another cool show. So check all that out, guys. Coming out this week. Yes. It was cool the, the way you guys did the, with the screens as well. That was good to like have the, like you sort of used mm-hmm. the visual elements. Yes. And mm-hmm. it was cool to like watch the, the preview along with it. Like um, my wife, Jackie was there for it and our friend Blondie. And um, I know Blondie had never listened to the podcast and oh, she was just like, that was the best. Yeah. Like, cool. Cool. Like, watching the trailers is great. But yeah, you were saying, right. you know, about the time constraints to do those sort of shows. But oh man, I could I could watch that every month. Like, yeah, it was really like fun. and you know, unless Hollywood, you know, that would be a risk to the uh the show if Hollywood stopped making bad trailers. So oh, nope. that's touch yeah. and go. Yeah. I don't know. That's, I don't know if that's gonna happen. Oh, is Hollywood gonna <laughs> stop making horrible movies? I don't know. Well, that would really kill this business. Yes. <laughs> so please, Hollywood, don't stop what you're doing. <laughs> what you're doing? You're doing Everyone right. have to change their podcast yes. name to the Film Happy Hour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wasn't this great? <laughs> so, and coming out this week is Deepwater Horizon. I, I got to tell you, I know some people are excited. I have no desire to see this movie. I really don't. I know what happened. I don't necessarily need to see it dramatized, and I just feel like it's so over the top. Like. Um, Oscar Beatty type film like uh, the only thing missing is Meryl Streep in it somewhere like I really it, it just I, I don't uh, it doesn't excite me this film yeah I mean yeah <laughs> I, 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 I'm just curious of the angle like the, the the people working on that thing you know and, and you know people lost their lives and it was and that's you know that was that was too bad and someone had to save it but you know 
I really hope this movie isn't like, okay, don't get mad at the oil companies. Just, <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear that. That'd be all. hilarious if the whole movie was like sponsored by like Shell oh, or somebody. Like BP was <laughs> like, yeah. hey. I'd, I would love a Meryl Streep cameo. She's just one of the flaming right. bodies that falls into the water or something. But I saw the preview for that and it, the, what is it? Deep Water Horizon? Yes. Yeah. It does sound like a mashup of other film titles. Yes. That Mark Wahlberg has been in. Yeah. Deep Impact Water Horizon. Yes. <laughs> Deep but Impact Water Event Horizon. I was getting I think my it films. It's called Oil Fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Burn Brigade. Um, <laughs> I was getting my film universes confused, and I was just like, you know, oil refinery out in the ocean burning. It's like, call the Thunderbirds, man. <laughs> or Steven Seagal, get, somebody. Get international rescue <laughs> yeah. onto this shit. They should. Um, so, uh, also premiering this week is Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I'm actually more excited to see this movie now after hearing that uh, um, Tim Burton is like kind of expanding the end and doing different things to it because I read the book and the book is awful. Oh. And uh, it's one of those books that just kind of um, captures on like the trend of like comic books and, you know, uh, coming of age, angst, monsters, all those mashups kind of put together. You've got everything from like an X-Men vibe going on with like the house where everyone has uh, power. You've got monsters coming in. You've got a romance. So you've got like a bits of Twilight. So everything is mashed together. And what they do too now is like you can't just read a book. It's like, well, no, you're getting the first part of the story. So the entire book is a setup. So to even get anything that's going to happen is you have to read like the next book or three or four or whatever, however they're going to write. So I like the fact that Tim Burton said, look, I'm going to expand the ending. I'm going to, you know, put Samuel Jackson in more and make it more of a, an actual movie. And I'm like, okay, well now, now I'm on board because I kind of trust if he's given free reign to make something interesting, it'll be a better result. So than making right. an adaptation of like something where he has to stay, um, you know, within these confines. So I, I'm more excited about it than I than I was before. Um, all right, coming up is Masterminds. Now this is the same director that writer director that did Napoleon Dynamite and Nacho Libre, um, Jared Hess. Uh, it's got Zach Galifianakis and Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis. I don't know. I, I isn't it based on a true story too? I, I, I that's a good question. Um, so these guys are a little like con artists. Yeah, um, it's it's. I don't know if that's based on truth. Yeah, I don't know if it is. All right, we'll get an email. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, a night guard at an armored car company in the southern U.S. organizes one of the biggest bank heists in American history. All right, it was based on true story. Let's mm -hmm. say, let's assume Owen Wilson's in it. Yeah, a lot of wigs. Kristen Wiig and people wearing wigs. <laughs> Say that is a lot of wigs. Leslie Jones. So uh, we'll see. I don't know. It could be funny. Big promotion around uh, Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of giant pictures of faces. Yes. Wacky mm -hmm. people. There's going to be some billboards. Billboard wigs. So, okay. How about it? That is our show. Son of a bitch. Yeah. Put it in the books. I reckon you left more energized than you came into it, guys. <laughs> yes, I think we did too. It's, uh, it always gives us a boost doing the uh, the episode. Um, so, Steel, now where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on SteelWars.com. Steel Wars is sort of like a comedy Star Wars chat show. We interview people around the world about their fandom in a pretty lighthearted way. So it's not we don't sort of get too into the minutia, and if we do, we sort of explain it. Um, we actually uh, 
just did an episode with Nathan Hamill, Mark Hamill's son, about talking about the experience of how Star Wars, how weird it is if Star Wars is your favourite film, but Luke Skywalker is your dad. How old is he? How- he's 36 or 7. Okay. I think he's a bit of a fan of this uh, show, actually. He's, he's mentioned comedy film nerds to me before. Who so. is? Oh, very cool. Nathan Hamill. Really? Yeah, Mark's son. Oh, Nathan, you want to come on the show? Yeah, I'd love to have you as a guest. <laughs> Reach out, buddy. We'd love to have you. <laughs> and um, we did an awesome one for fans of comedy film nerds with Dean Haglin live in Sydney with Justin Hamilton. Oh, oh nice. Very cool. And they just turn into just comedy jousts, but yeah. with Star Wars references. <laughs> and uh, Dean blew me away. He's so funny. He's a funny man. He was so sorry he missed the uh, the show. It's like, you know, we were able to fly in from LA. He couldn't get there from Sydney because of the weather. Yeah. And, and if the prequel um, conversation was interesting to you, that we did one just then with the prequel strike back. And I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this, but next week we'll have an episode with Kevin Rubio, who was the- Troops. Director and producer of Troops. Nice. Like one of the original fan film parodies, yeah. And also, uh, one of the things that made it stand out is he had access to actual special effects. So, it made it look really cool. And suits and cost, you know, like he had Before it was all available to like, the tools were available to everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because it was made in the late 90s. And he Mm -hmm. said one of the hardest things of making the film was sourcing Stormtrooper outfits, which now- Right. You can just go anywhere, yeah. anywhere. But back then, so yeah, it was a really interesting insight and in how that sort of kickstarted a bit of a career for him in Star Wars, and he got like a Star Wars comic out of that. So yeah, that's Steel Wars at SteelWars.com. and then my other podcast is I Love Green Guide Letters. And in a nutshell, the Green Guide's the TV guide in Melbourne. People write complaint letters to the TV Guide about TV shows, and if you are partaking in that activity, you're probably an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And you're probably making a petty complaint. So we make petty complaints about their petty complaints. and It's it's great. You did that in the festival, I think, a year or two two years ago? Yeah, the the last two years before this, yeah. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. The premise of that show was fantastic. You don't need to live in Australia to just hear crazy letters about TV being written. Yeah, it's it's culturally relatable. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting because because the Star Wars podcast has picked up and that's got like a worldwide appeal. So a lot of people are then checking out my other show and they are just like, oh my God, what is happening in Australia? Like they don't know any of the shows, but they love, like they just love like the, the complaints because I am not a big television watcher. So on a lot of the times I'm like, I haven't seen this show, but the show, it's not about television shows. It's about complaints about television shows. And I always have the theory of like, even if I don't like something, like if I'm in a really long line at the airport, I like to find someone that's dealing with it far worse than me and just watch them for the next hour and just watch them. Like that's entertaining. It's just like a slow meltdown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. I love green com. Well, thanks Steele. Um, thanks for flying all the way over here. I know it's more to see your wife than uh, our festival and the show, but we really appreciate you being. <laughs> oh no, it's an absolute honor to be included in the festival and and to meet like all the listeners. It's just like it's very um, 
makes you feel nice, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and, and sometimes... It validates all the work that we do. Yeah, like the podcasting thing, is it's so fun and you put so much passion into it, but there is the occasional day where you're just like... What am I doing this for? Uh, like, I don't, I'm not getting paid. Yeah. Barely paid or not enough to live on or whatever. And you're like, what am I doing this for? And then you have people come up to you at PodFest and you're like, oh, this is why I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. This is what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And if you've got... um. If you're on the uh, virtual ticket or the the pay per view for the, the live stream for the live stream, uh, yeah, check out our episode. Do not let your young daughter listen yes. to the uh, erotic fan fiction. Sound section. advice, but someone does start crying in our episode out of pure cannot handle how out of control funny something gets. <laughs> and what's uh, what's your coupon code, Steel? Uh, mine's Steel, which is excellent. A- Yep. S T E E L E. Yeah. So you see. But I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to come in here and sprint my coop. This, 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 this is a CFN area. I just that is that is not the right thing uh, to do. So I, I I am CFN all the way on this show. I'm knowing my role. I'm not coming over here and spruiking my coupon code all over your podcast. Well, thanks for being on the show, you guys. Um, and of course, uh, you can watch all of the live shows at LAPodfest.com. Use C- coupon code CFN or Steel or whichever one you'd like. Um, and uh, Or don't use a coupon code and pay an extra five bucks. There you go. And then the festival makes more money. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it was, it was. And then we'll be releasing the, the download, the audio uh, download of the, of the PodFest app probably in the next week or two. Um, and of course, I'm headlining uh, the Hollywood Improv next October seventh. Um, so go to, if you're in LA, check that out. And we will be at the Earbuds. Will be at the Cluj uh, Comedy Festival in Cluj, Nepacoa, Romania. Did we get any fan response? There's a couple coming. I don't know. Well, let's not get crazy. But uh, <laughs> if you happen to be in Romania, I the, know we have listeners the, in Romania. The end of of uh, October, we'll be there. The twenty fourth, or excuse me, October twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, and twenty fourth. Is vacation movie. season at Clute? <laughs> <laughs> Spot on, Bulvanian accent, Chris. Spot on. Warm up the crowd with some light racism. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So that's our show, guys. Like us. Follow us. And we appreciate all of your love and support. My name's Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han, Han shot first. first. Greedo never shot! <laughs> 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 <laughs>